Hello and welcome. Coming to you from the podcast studio, I'm Josh. And I'm John, and I'm drinking a uh, Mountain Zevia. Zero calories. Tasty. Better than that other high fructose corn syrup crap. But this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. Hello, friend. Hey, pal. It's good to see you. It is good to see you as well. Not in person, though. No, not in person today. Uh, it is virtual. You are have been a little under the weather. That's right. I've got. I've had. Uh, I've had the. I don't. You know have one of those petri was. dishes. Uh, one of your assets walking around. You know. Yeah, my son. My son is in kindergarten and brings home everything. So, I've been uh, a little under the weather. So. Uh, we apologize for any poor sound quality. I, of course, I doubt you'll get that from Josh on the back end as our audio engineer. I'll do what I can to make it sound as beautiful as always. It'll hopefully be better when, than when you had your, your teeth messed up. When I had my like face all numbed? Yeah, your face was all numbed up. Yeah, that was a fun time. Um, but yeah, we'll, you know, do it remote. That's fine. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. I'm not going to repeat the rest of that statement. No, it's not. We've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've kept the uh, family-friendly thing so far. Right. We don't have to put on the explicit tag yet, so no. we'll take that as long as possible just to keep our horizon or our uh, audience as broad as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Reach as many ears as we can. Yeah. You know? This is for all geeks. Exactly. Well, anyway, um, this uh, episode's going to be a little more kind of casual, maybe not any real specific topic. Uh, like a lot of the past ones have been a little different format, but that's fine. You know, we're yeah. going to have chat about some cool things. Cause I think that we're we, interested in this is episode 21, right? It is. We're allowed to drink now. <laughs> we're getting close to, uh, six months, right? We're five, oh my episodes, gosh. Sec- five episodes away from six months now. Uh, well, four, yeah, five, sorry. Oh, I can't do math. math. Five, five episodes away from six months of recording and putting out things. Um, and so we, we know our first podcast ever was just a general podcast where we were just chitting and chatting and we've done a lot of like everyone after that's been very specific. So this is just kind of a check-in and among other things and talking and chatting and, um, be a little bit more concise probably. And yeah. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of that, I, uh, I saw an article earlier today on Reddit that kind of like part of me was surprised by it, but another part of me was kind of like, have just been like waiting on it. And it, it's still like not a, uh, you know, raising any flags kind of story yet, but it definitely caught my attention. So I wanted to share it with you. And the, uh, this comes from the website, the, the debrief.org or the debrief.org, however you want to say it. Um, and the headline was intelligence officials say U S has retrieved craft of non-human origin. So obviously, you know, you can so take that as you will. Bigfoot, we found Bigfoot's sailing vessel is what you're telling me. His skyship, um, that yeah. he travels through the realms. I mean, uh, they said craft. It could be a, a, a raft, correct? Oh, they just misspelled that whoever the, uh, the intern who was typing up the the article, they just accidentally put a C. Well, no, like a, a raft is a craft, technically. A raft is a craft. 
sailing craft, sailing vessel. True. Um, but, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but they, they, they basically said that uh, a, a former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general, quite a title, extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. Interesting. Which, those are some pretty bold claims. And, you know, if it if it's something that, again, is true and comes out and stuff, that's, I mean, that's kind of like, almost, world, that's pretty much world-changing. But we keep you know, saying that, and then nothing ever right. changes, yeah. you know? They've, they've been saying, you know, oh, we've, we've got the things just behind this, you know, wall, or just behind this door, and then it's always behind another door, and they never have, oh, if I just had this next level of clearance available then you know we could show it out Scientology just gotta get to operating Thetan level 3 or whatever right find out about Zenu (laughs) the flying spaghetti monster yeah (laughs) but there has been a lot of progress in the realm of UAP and UFOs and anomalous craft in regards to these whistleblower programs that were passed last year I believe that allows for people in, you know, top secret, they have top secret clearance or in top secret programs to be able to speak out and, you know, lack of a better word, blow the whistle on things that are happening without any fear of repercussions or, you know, being threatened, you know, having their lives threatened like a lot of them have. Well, let's be honest, though. I think to me, the, the intel community is, seems very disconnected from the rest of the U.S. government. And I feel like, just because they say that nothing will happen to you doesn't mean you won't wind up dead in a ditch somewhere. Right. It's, you know, I'm sure that's been said a lot of times. Oh, no, you know, nothing will happen. And then you never see him again. But, um, yeah, because of that, that they, they have had a handful of people, apparently, you know, again, behind closed doors, come to some of these people and, and talk to Congress in these uh, closed briefings and stuff about, uh, stuff that they've worked on, places they've been, things they've seen. And now Congress is, you know, wanting to know about these, like, black programs that are being funded with the taxpayers' money that they aren't aware of, that no one in Congress, you know, knows what's going on. And so they want to they wanna be in the know, and so they're digging and they're asking questions and making things happen, and there's been quite a bit of... Uh, quite a bit of progress happened in that realm, which is kind of cool. But this dude, the whistleblower, his name is David Charles Gersht. It's G-R-U-S-C-H. I don't exactly know if I said that right. Um, he's a decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan, is a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. He served as the Reconnaissance Office's representative to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force from 2019 to 2021. And then he was the NGA's co-lead for the UAP analysis and is representative to the task force. So, let's see. It's a mouthful. It is a a mouthful. There's like, that's quite some titles. Everything with government is the titles, titles, titles. It's got to sound as fancy as possible. But uh, 
he said that the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are, quote, of exotic origin, in parentheses, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies in material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, he said. Hmm. So, basically, they've, if, you know, they're saying they have these crafts, they've studied them, and on like a metallurgic, like, you know, atomic level, you know, down to the elements and stuff, that these things, the materials that they are made up of, you know, atomic arrangements are otherworldly. They, they don't match things they've seen here on Earth. Well, I want to see, show me it on like CBS, like put it on like just the news. You know, nobody watches C-SPAN. Like people need to, this doesn't, it feels like everything I see is just like an article I'm reading. I, I rarely get to watch stuff on it. I want to see, it needs to be pumped out in general to the masses. That way more people get interested in it. Right. And there is actually a, uh, when is it that they're having, um, do I still have it in my calendar? Um, oh, on June, Monday, June 12th, actually. So coming up here soon, um, that would be next Monday, actually. Um, there is going to be a National Press Club event hmm. regarding UAPs. Okay. And a lot of this is put on by the Disclosure Project uh, from Dr. David Greer. And a lot of the people he's been working with, some of some of a bunch of other people that they had a similar um, press club event back in two thousand one was when the last one happened, and it, it, I think that's when they initially kind of talked about it being the disclosure project, and they came out and said a lot of things, but it kind of just disappeared in the news, and nothing ever came of it. And then, of course, as we know, in two thousand one. You know, nine eleven happened. Yeah, and so any other story or news that happened at all before that, like, completely disappeared and was completely insignificant because of that. So nothing really happened to it. But they've kind of been working in the background ever since then, still to this day, to try and gather evidence, gather you know, witnesses, testimonies you know, uh, affidavit, all these things to try and build these cases and to, and then I, I'm not sure what all they're going to talk about at the press club event or what they're going to present, but it could potentially be very interesting. I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all, we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't hold like, I think anything that they, it just seems like it's all for whatever. Like, I don't feel like we're going to get the truth ever. You know, the fact that we know that more about this stuff, maybe than we know about Jeffrey Epstein's like client list is, 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 is like, a, you know, right. I mean, yeah, that's a, who knows what we'll ever find out about all that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's definitely like, it's, it's one of those things where it would take such a rework to find out anything. I just, I don't, I have trouble believing much that they say, and I have trouble like um, getting my hopes up because it just feels like they're stringing us along or it's a really easy way to slip in more budget stuff. 
that they could get like black right. black budget type things um you know because we, we, we talk about this how many we've had so many episodes where this has been our opening topic or you know we've had several ufo topics uh including the virginia you know alien contact moment of contact documentary and it is it is just frustrating because like I, I don't understand we've talked about it before people talk about um well you know if people find out the truth then it'll destroy the world like why why will it like what's the deal you know are we in a simulation is it confirmed will that change it like why am i why, why should we fear this disclosure? Yeah, why are why are you just because you've got a G in front of your pay grade with the government better to know about it than me? You know, like the right. the, the people deserve the day, to know. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're all humans living on this planet. I guess as far as we know, we're all humans. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, good <laughs> living point. on this planet, you know, sharing. You know, this we all breathe the same air, eat the same food. You know, walk on the same grass. We're all part of the same thing. And so, yeah, to like something that potentially could be so world changing as, you know, knowing that there is either extraterrestrial life and craft out there that we have, or, you know, there's, you know, been craft retrieved from our oceans of some kind, maybe that, you know, either one of those, whichever route it ends up being that having that knowledge and keeping it from the world as a populace, it, it seems, it just seems very selfish. It is. Well, I mean, I think in general, unfortunately, governments tend to be selfish. I mean, I think obviously they, they, they start out with the thought of like, Oh, well, so this is how we'll help the people and everything. But I mean, in the United States, you know, for this is specifically us talking about the United States of America, because that's where we're citizens of, but it's one of those things where, I don't um I don't know that they are. I think it's become a business for people, you know, the fact that you have so many senators on both sides, so many congressmen on both sides of the aisle who have served for so long without, you know, giving up like without term limits, without, you know, with the way that right. our government is right now, and then it makes the only thing I can think of is like why why as to why they wouldn't want us to know would be like, I wonder if we are like in a galactic federation and we're doing whatever we're told to do and the government does whatever it's told to do. And mm. they're afraid that we'd be like, no, we don't want to do it. If we, if we had the free choice for it, we're going to rebel. And then they're like, well, we just get our planet. Dusted. Like you, it's one of those things like in the scenario that, you know, you don't, if, if you've been a prisoner the whole time, like you wouldn't, you know, rebel against it if you didn't know it was a thing. But yeah. like a you know, small child, as soon as you're told it's a thing and it exists and you're part of it, you're like, well, now I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. So and I don't... so now we're gonna fight against whatever this is. And maybe yeah, like I said, I don't know if it'd be some fear of that happening. Yeah, but to think that, like, I mean, now obviously there are brilliant minds in government. There are brilliant people that work that have that G's in front of their pay grade and work. You know the Raytheon, the Northrop folks, the skunk works people, all, you know, the, 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 the uh, Noah, you know, like there's so many people, the scientists and everything, they're obviously probably top of their field and do whatever. And they know these things, but it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, like 
there are just as many smart people that are not government employees or have other jobs and everybody has a right to know things. Right. Well, either way, I, I mean, me just being, you know, my own selfish desires that like I read the headline and, you know, I'm hope I'm hopeful and I would have the desire that, you know, in a couple weeks or two, they'll be like, guess what? This is right. Here's the material. Like, they come out at one of these press club things and a guy's got a little like glass box of some kind that has a, a material in it that's like floating by itself or so. I don't know. Yeah. Just my imagination going, but, or, you know, maybe obviously the coup de gras would be like, they walk out with a being or like somebody yeah. that we know as a public figure. And then they just like do like, and you mentioned like unzip the suit and yeah. step out <laughs> i don't know it's so it's it's that's it's also hokey, but, show you know. yeah it's all like yeah that's very sci-fi it'd be interesting to know <sighs> yeah i don't I, know i mean even if they just said like yes like we, we have a we have retrieved we have you know intact and partially intact craft in secure secret you know underground bases that you know our scientific community can't determine what its origin is. Yeah. I mean, like well, that sounds like, like it's where they're at already. Thing. Yeah. That seems like that's where they're at already. I mean, that's, that's kind of thing. Kinda. Like there's a confusing thing. Don't know, you know, and we're just a bunch of hairy monkey people and we don't know anything anyways, you know, like we don't, um, you know, there's so much we don't know. And in 500 years, people will be like, what if those guys are so stupid? They did they're this wasting for all surgery. Their time. Yeah, they yeah. they use robots for surgery instead of doing like they're gonna think we're dumb, you know? Like just like when we look back at people in fifteen hundreds and they looked back on people in one thousand AD and vice versa. Lobotomies. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, just a few years ago. So yeah. well, speaking of what you were talking about, one of our one of our listeners um uh messaged us after our Virginia episode. And said, oh. said, I was living in Brazil at the time Virginia was all over the news. I said, yeah, what was your thought? And this person said, I believe something very odd happened there. At the time, I was a student pilot. And remember that there, was a, there were temporary no-fly zones in the region with no explanation why. Several pilots mentioned that there was a lot of military flight activity around the city of Virginia. It's like the X-Files, I want to believe. So... Very interesting from one of our listeners that they said that, um, you know, those wow. no TAMs, like the, the notice to airmen the or notice to air mission or whatever it is now that yeah. they put out there saying, um, hey, there's temporary flight restrictions. Those are always things that are interesting to to see and, and track and find out what they're what the purpose of those are. I'm sure that's easy thing that could have been traced on the. Um, the original documentary that was done, so. Right. I would have liked to have known that. Well, that's cool, though, that, you know, had somebody that was in the area at the time. Yeah, man. And again, that's the interesting thing about that case, particularly, is it wasn't that long ago. You know, it's within no. our lifetime. Yes. You know, we were kids. Like, yeah. there's most of these things you hear about, they were, you know, World War II time or like, you know, Area 51 kind of stuff or yep. like in the even 70s or 80s. Well, you know, yeah, like the Bob Lazar stuff is like, oh, well, it's the 80s or 70s or something right. like that. But yeah, it's, I agree. I understand completely where you're coming from. I think it would be nice to know this stuff. I just don't, I don't trust that like anybody's ever going to be in a position that they're not so like maybe if this stuff happened in the 20s, you know, but 
just like Dwight the Eisenhower warned the United States of America about the military industrial complex. Now you have this like super intelligence heavy complex on top of it, you know, so we have the military industrial complex, but we also have like the NSA, the CIA, the DIA, which nobody ever talks about um, for some reason. And yeah, I think there's so much there that they're not going to like tell us what's going on because it's it's just not prudent for them to do it unless right. they want the money for it or they can justify the taxes or they can justify removing things from us or giving us stuff i don't right. you know well, that's where that sense that's where that kind of you know that uh theory that is uh, sprouted from a lot of this it actually goes back a while that project Bluebeam, yeah kind of comes into play that that kind of is a potential answer to that question that you pose and and that the theory behind that is the whole like faking an alien invasion as a means to, you know, have a route to control the populace, you know, that if you, if, if if they, you think the aliens are invading, then like, hurry, you know, you know, listen to what we're saying, do exactly what we're saying. If you don't want the aliens to kill you and they can kind of use that as a door to potentially control people. I can see that, um, being the, like, I've heard of that. I think we aren't that stupid, hopefully. that I think there's like a, it would have to be really well done fake. And I feel like most people are, um, are pretty good. Well, that's what, uh, you know, some people theorize it, it you know, the, the theories go far and wide, of, of course, and as deep as down the rabbit holes you want to go. But, you know, they're kind of, their response would be, you know, well, that's what all the uh, Starlinks, satellites that spacex is putting up in there that they're all part of a big projection grid that yeah. that's going to project the image of a mothership you know over the world and whatever yeah <clears throat> i mean i think we're naturally skeptical a lot of people are i think some people will just believe it outright but i think it would be hard to do the other thing is you got to convince the other countries like every i mean there's a hundred what 30 something countries you know in the world and i don't know majority of them have pretty like there's obviously some countries that struggle and don't have like, you know, science, um, yeah. scientific infrastructure, like, and stuff. infrastructure for like, ex- like exploring the solar system and stuff. Like I think you know every country's probably got its own science stuff that is set up. You know, even North Korea is sending rockets up. You know, but right. I think um, you'd have to have all of them on board, and I don't think that's going to happen. But I think it is a good way to get everybody on board. I mean. I really like The Watchmen. It's one of my favorite movies. I love. Um, I've never seen that movie or read any of the comics. It's well, the I really like the movie. I've never read the comics. Uh, people probably I know some people like the comics and don't like the movie, and I know vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, I just think it's interesting because it's one of those things where the bad guy kind of wins, but he's also kind of a good guy. You know, it's uh, you know the first of all, Ozymandias is one of my favorite poems, and that's one of the characters in the oh in the in the movie and and essentially what happens is is he does a false flag attack and says this was dr manhattan and turns the whole world against him and is able to like cause kind of world peace in this cold war setting this alt history setting and you know it works he already does it you know they show up too late and it doesn't work out you know they're like you know he does this whole monologue and he's like you think i'm some like comic book villain that i'm telling this i've already done this this happened 30 minutes ago like billy mm. like, that millions of people are dead and uh, right yeah oh, um, interesting so i i you know i think that and who was it somebody said that was it reagan or 
it was some other president that said, you know, yeah, I think that if, you know, obviously if a, a alien invasion happened, we would all come together and help fight. Right. I don't know though. Sometimes there's some people that don't like people, you know, there's just like, there's, there's always people in the United States that hate America. There's people in great Britain that hate great Britain. You know, people just love to hate things sometimes. I think there would, you would have people that would do turncoats real quick. That's true. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, I think what he said was perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And that seems like a pretty, you know, that seems like a pretty specific thing for a president to say. I've always found that odd. I don't, like, why specifically relate it to aliens? Well, because, I mean, that's the best thing to do because we're all people from Earth. So it makes sense that they would say extraterrestrial threat. You know, some, mm-hmm. there was some other threat. But we see that now, though, even now, like, we're still kind of, we have extraterrestrial threats that we deal with all the time and we're not ready for. Like, how many, what are we going to do if a asteroid's coming at us? What are we going to do if a comet's going to come towards us? You know? Yeah. I've seen a lot of talk about, yeah, not being prepared for those kind of things that they hasn't, that they have some plans, but realistically something like that, you know, could come, come at us and hit us before we even know it. I think that's a huge issue. I think that's the fact that we don't have like a unified defense. Like we have the United Nations, Right. And Why, we, kinda, we have a space force now, but we have you a, know. Well, the United States has a space force now, but like we have a United Nations group that can work like, you know, proliferate nuclear arms to be able to send up there or whatever, you know, like we need something to protect us from the extraterrestrial threats that we know are out there and have killed off our population before and done those kind of things. And, uh, you know, that's that's where the real stuff is. That's the really important thing to me right now is what can we do? What can we do to harden ourselves against like uh, solar flares, like Harrington level or events, a, a second younger driest impact? Yeah, exactly. Of sorts, you know, you know, it's been uh, what is it like twelve thousand six hundred years? Twelve thousand six hundred, yeah. That we're surely due for something. You know, I guess we had that, you know, the Tunguska event mm-hmm. kind of thing that that was one of the last bigger. And luckily uh, it hit Siberia, right? Like it yeah, hit somewhere that was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, but again, if something like that were to, you know, impact over New York City or, you know, somewhere of a major power grid, you know, it, even if it doesn't even impact, like if it explodes in the atmosphere, that still creates like an EMP pulse of source, a shockwave. Mm-hmm. That can that could decimate, you know, an entire city or or more, depending on the size of it, of course. Yeah, air burst, and you know, like there would obviously be some type of radiological, out, you know, output. You think about what would happen if it hit somewhere that had like where there was already radiation. You know, like what if it hits one of the nuclear, like a nuclear power plant in in Russia? What if it, you know, hit Chernobyl and released all the stuff? You know, have you ever have you, you probably never watched the Chernobyl stuff on HBO? 
I no, I have not. I've heard a lot about it though. Very good, but you know, you get a I did play sense. Fallout. Well, that's true. You get a sense <laughs> from that, like how dire the stre- like how dire it was for them to get that radiation contained before it spread and, and began to like radi- radioactive material began falling on or, or clouds pushing out into neighboring countries, killing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people and like what would happen if that was uncontrollable because you already had another natural disaster, you know, just like mm. with Fukushima and uh, Japan. Well, Fukushima. Oh, Fukushima. Right. Wasn't that the, that was the radioactive. Yeah. That was, yeah. You know, just like with that, you had a tsunami and then you also had a nuclear reactor go down. You know, I think nuclear power is, is obviously I saw a meme the other day and it was like, uh, aliens when they show up to earth and we have nuclear power, but we're using windmills to create power. <laughs> and they're like, this is some ghetto stuff. Right. And, and um, you know, it is funny, you know, we like, we have the, we have nuclear fission, but we can't, uh, we can, we're still using solar power. Like they're and, and yeah, very inefficient methods of, of energy collection comparatively when we have other things that aren't nearly as dangerous as it's been proposed to be yeah you know it's it's definitely i don't know man it's it's one of those things like it is a i really would like to know more about the stuff that you're talking about but it just makes me feel like we're being misled sometimes there's a lot of the kind of care to on a stick sort of thing there has been a lot and and you know again like you know this is a topic I've been following for a long time, you know, quite a long time and stuff. And so I've seen it kind of come and go and seen the different, you know, waves of it throughout my life. And, but also having, uh, been paying attention to the topic for that long that I have seen how it really, honestly, since 2017, when the, that New York times article came out about the Nimitz deal with the Tic Tac, mm-hmm that kind of first event of putting that on the map, like ever since then, it's been kind of a sort of a domino effect a little bit that is getting progressively more and more into the populace and into the mass of society. And people are, you know, starting to get interested in it. It's starting to become less stigmatized, which I'm all about because I think it's fun to talk about and really interesting to hypothesize about. I think, you know, if if at the yeah. end of the day none of it is real or whatever, which I don't believe, but if it was, it's it's still fun to think about. Oh yeah, I mean I agree a hundred percent. I think it's important for people to talk about this kind of thing. I think it's important to have philosophical debates about most things. You know, like it's important to say, well, what if we're in a simulation? What if this happened? What if that happened? What if there are aliens? What if there are you know, like, what right. if we're the first? Like, what kind of legacy are we going to leave behind if there's another sentient species that rises? You know, like, there's so many things to, like, talk about with your buddies. And I think, like, mm. even if they're not geeky friends, like, you should talk to your friends at work about stuff. You know, like, I work with some pretty, you know, um, uptight guys and gals sometimes who don't like to talk about stuff that's, you know, silly, quote unquote. But right you get them talking they always have an opinion on it, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion on it. It might not be much, but they're going to have an opinion one way or the other. And it's, it's a fun thing to talk about. Yeah, for sure. You know, and if you do enjoy talking about it, then you might can start a podcast. That's true. But an interesting thing about podcasts, what's that? They are easier to keep going whenever they have some support. That's true. From a community. 
and if a you would like community? a geek community indeed and if you would like to be part of that supporting geek community you can go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekETCpodcast. That's right. We have uh, we currently have a crew member, and we're excited about that. So you guys yeah, can report to Ben Solo for training. And, yeah, <laughs> and and hop yeah. on the uh, spaceship, and maybe we'll get out of here, and we're going to go pester some other primitive worlds and uh, make their government, yeah. like, talk right. about them. But for as little as a dollar a month, you can help uh, contribute and help uh, support this show. Uh, it all goes towards a worthy cause to keep this show afloat. That's right. And obviously just putting it like, you know, having the website, having the EAS feeds, having all that stuff costs money. So just a little bit of money back keeps us going. So like we said, this is kind of like a more general, just chit chat. You, you told me you watched, um, the D and D movie. Right. Uh, last Saturday or was it Sunday? I don't remember now. I've slept since then. It must have been Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. We, uh, me and my wife, we watched yeah, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. It's, so it's finally out for you know rental and to buy and stuff, and so we rented it free on Paramount, I think. Oh, I don't have that. So I just rented it on the Xbox. Well, let me. I got a funny story for you. Uh-oh. So, um, this is a story I read the other day, and I was thinking about it, and the whole time it just made me laugh to myself about like. You know, just how funny it is. It says, I'm an idiot, and I liked Dungeons and Dragons, is the title. I watched Dungeons and Dragons this evening. I tried to turn on subtitles. There was a glitch, so I tried again. Another glitch. I went into the settings and thinking I was turning on subtitles, turned on descriptive audio for blind people. So (laughs) then they proceed to listen. They watched the whole movie without subtitles but with the descriptive audio for blind people and they, they're like, Oh, this is so cool. How they've got like a dungeon, like a dungeon master, like narrating these scenes and stuff like that. And the whole time. And they're like, they even, this person even said they went to like the, the end credits and you know, they, they watched the entire thing and they're like very interesting take on it. And then they, they went to like IMDB immediately and were like, oh, who was the narrator for this? And like, why were they like, why didn't it say anything about it in the post credits? And then they found out that sure enough, it was like, it was a, that was one of those options, turn on descriptive audio for blind people. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't even up. know that was an option. Yeah. So they, so they it, it just like describes what's happening in the scenes, in the scenes and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it was just like a dungeon master. Um, like that seems like the perfect movie to watch with that. That's what they said. They said, you should try it with that. So I, I oh my gosh. Yeah, that cracked me up when I read it because they they have like a whole long drawn out thing talking about you know they would describe things and um, but the narration added a different element and made really good use of the dialogue breaks and the action scenes uh, and it says at one point my partner playing on her switch listening to the movie but hardly glancing at the screen literally said this would be a good movie for blind people <laughs> so <laughs> I mean is. It- Kind of just be like a D&D podcast. Yeah, I guess so. This is, yeah, well, this is another thing we're working on, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I, cool. just, I thought you would like that because it it almost makes me want to go back through and just listen to a little bit of it just to see what it sounded like. Right. Um, with that I think on that could there. be interesting, for sure. Yeah. 
it'd be funny. I mean, I've accidentally turned that on before, but the voice was so annoying that I couldn't handle it, you know? Right. They would have, like, somehow got, like, Matt Mercer just to, narr- to like, covertly have narrated that thing, and but not tell anybody. Oh, yeah. Or anything. That would have been awesome. Just as, like, a basically a, a, a modern equivalent of a hidden bonus feature on a DVD. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it seemed like you don't really have a lot of those, like, secret bonus features like you used to have back in the day where you'd, like, navigate and, like, hit a certain buttons on the the TV controller to get yep. to like a different part of the screen. Yep. That you it wasn't actually anything you could see. And you'd get the special secret deleted scenes. Oh yeah. That was a good time. But I yeah, we watched the movie and I we both kind of went into it with like sort of flat expectations. Mm-hmm. Like not really low expectations, not really high expectations, just like midline. We're just gonna go into it kind of baseline and see what happens. And uh we both actually really liked it. I really liked it. You know me, I'm not much of like a comedy guy. I don't laugh. I don't like I don't like comedy movies that much. I'm not like uh I don't there's not laugh out loud stuff unless it's like this, like it's conversations between us, like right. interpersonal conversations. It's hard for like outside media to make me like ha 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 ha. I'm but, like I'm the same way. It, but, it takes something really genuine to make me actually laugh out loud. There were some funny moments in that, like the first thing where they where they where they escaped the prison. I was it wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Right. But, but it, right. what I heard and what made it better for me was when they said I heard somebody say, well, it's not like, don't think of this as like a Tolkien-esque, like epic fantasy adventure. Think of it like an actual Dungeons and Dragons party and the decisions that they would right. make. And exactly. that, when I watched that, I was like, oh, this makes so much more. Like when I looked at it through that guy's, especially as a game master, I was like, oh man, that makes right. so much more sense. And that's immediately what I pulled out of it was that it was made that way. And I really appreciated it for that aspect. Yeah, there was... And there was there was a number of things like a number and well I'll go ahead and just say like there may be potential spoilers for yes. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves from this point forward. Spoiler so if you don't alert. want spoilers, then just keep listening. Yeah, just, just watch it. Listen anyway, but plug your ears. Anyway, so yeah, that that first scene, like well, even to begin with, like he starts with like the council there and you have the dragonborn and like he looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And then eventually what's his name? The air croaker comes in Jonathan? and looks Jarnathan. <laughs> yeah. Like their names too. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that totally sounds like a name somebody would come up with. I'm like, they both look pretty like you're looking at them and it's like obvious, like costume kind of things. Yeah. And you're like, these these costumes like they don't seem great mm-hmm. really and you really get a sense of that later when they show the tabaxi that the uh the paladin dude like there was a fish i thought the tabaxi that, looked better than like the aracrocra or the dragonborn though well they they pulled out that baby tabaxi out yeah. of the fish's mouth and it's like like you meant you talked about like a baby Yoda looking kind of crappy in the last season of the Mandalorian. Like this looked kind of horrible, but it was at that point when I had seen a number of them, I'm like, I think they did that on purpose. That was Oscar worthy compared to the Mandalorian though. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, that's how bad, that's how bad the, the Mandalorian 
Baby Yoda Grogu is. Oh. It's so poorly done. But uh, I like I I, I kind of came to my own personal conclusion that I think the like bad costumes were on purpose. Like both the yeah the Tabaxi and 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 the Air Crooks and all those things because you we see later the uh, Druid like turn into an owl bear mm-hmm. and a lot of other creatures and and some of those looked pretty good sure you know so they're like well they can animate these animals so why didn't they do those other ones and I I think it was on purpose kind of to sort of pay homage to. You know, a lot of the people, you know, if you think about the D&D community, you know, there's a lot of crossover with like cosplay mm. and like kind of a, a, a amateur homemade cosplay or dressing up as your your characters from the game at your, you know, when you have your in-person sessions. And stuff. Yes. You know, a lot of people do that. And so, and I think it was kind of to add a little bit of covert comedy in that aspect of, to make people think like, that thing kind of looks like crap. Yeah. Just for the, and it was kind of like off-putting, but kind of funny at the same time that it looked as bad as it did. But here's the other thing too: a lot of the sets looked really, really good, and honestly, exactly. the costuming looked really good too. I thought from for right. the costume specifically, like the actual outfits, I thought they did a good oh, job. Yeah. Like some of the, there was a couple scenes where like armor actually worked and stuff, and I was like, whoa, right. you know, interesting. And like Neverwinter, the the city where majority of it takes place. Uh, looked like a really epic fantasy city, and I it was pretty unique, and I liked it a lot. Looked like it had yeah. a lot of people in it. Um, it wasn't like a classic, uh, you know, just castle. You know, the, it had a lot of life right. to it. I feel like it was like a very lived in, breathed in city, and it made me very happy to watch. Yeah, and like you said, like a lot of the the plans and ways that they accomplish tasks like some of them like i even told my wife when we watched i was like that is a very D way to do that yes exactly i think that that's that's why so when i came into it with that point of view i was like oh okay this is i see where it is and i really like that that's what they're, right. they're doing with it like the the freaking like I mean, yeah, the dude had a portal gun, basically, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I kind of want that item in one that, of our games now. That was a, I know, right? That, but that was a <laughs> sick heist, I thought. When I was watching it, I was like, what's going on with it a little right? bit? I was like, why did they do it underneath? But it was really clever, honestly. Yeah, that whole, the whole thing with putting it on the painting and mm-hmm. using the sap and sticking it to the bottom of the cart to get access, I'm like, that... I I I saw that and was just kind of blown away with like that is really ingenious. Yeah. But it it you know totally seems like a a plan that you know a few D and D players could kind of come up with just some really off the wall in a world where you know a world like D and D where you can literally do anything you can imagine you know if you can come up with it you know you can try you can at least yeah, try ex- exactly there's 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 the you know the popular quote like. You know, I want to do this thing, and they say, "Like, well, you can, you can sure try, or you know, whatever it is, you can, you can give it a chance and see how it works. You can always give anything a shot once." And so it seemed like they definitely rolled a few natural twenties on some of those things that they were trying to do, and some ones. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's definitely some ones as well. The speaking to dead scene. I mean, that's not. Oh my god! That's, that was a trailer that came out, and yeah, it was very. It reminded me of like like a like a DM being like, 
uh okay like he like oh, like god dang it i can't believe i keep doing like, that is that four questions and then he's like yes <laughs> yeah like, I, I, I didn't mean to do that and that's where and this for for the adventurers are speaking trying to speak with dead and the spell for those that don't play it or haven't seen it only allows you to speak i'll ask the dead so many questions and they get stuck in this like very long drawn out thing where they keep screwing up the spell and it's just it's just funny that they yeah. did it and they kept it going it just makes it was and then the dragon scene was pretty killer even though that was just like a throat like a flashback wait which dragon scene the dragon, the oh, the black dragon came in, the acid dragon. And it was oh, breathing yeah, that yeah. black, like kind of tar-like yeah, acid like everywhere. Acid I, stuff. I really yeah. liked the visuals from that. That was even awesome. Even though we didn't get to see more of it. Um, yeah. But it definitely seems like this is set up as like a to do more adventures. You know, you, you very well. You could you could bring in a completely different band of adventures. Yeah, or add, just add on to those ones. I think yeah. they're great. You add know, God, you know the fast. How many Fast and Furious movies do we have? Oh, like right. we could have a million of these movies and I'm sure they could keep coming up. Although with stuff. I, I don't want to see Dwayne, the rock Johnson in, in the D and D movie. So I think I'd be okay passing <laughs> on that. Uh, you know what? You know, I'd rather have Batista, honestly. Yeah, I could, I could go with that. I'm, I'm just kind of tired of the rock at this point. He is in a lot of stuff. The Batista, yeah. I, I've really actually like, there's, I could get behind Batista. Like, well, like him and Dune, him and Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Like he's a really he's a he like Blade Runner especially that was one of my favorite ones where the opening scene where the guy you know he's one of the replicants and um, yeah it's not Ryan is it Ryan Gosling yes yeah. Ryan Gosling comes and they get in that fight but he's he's way you know he's savage but he's also very civilized and I really right. liked his acting in that so I I think it'd be neat to have some I mean it's you got if you want a guy, of course, you know, if you want the extreme end of it, you get like the Martin Ford guy. Um, he's that British dude, British strong man who's like mm. like obtusely jacked and you know, right. for like a really good like you put some skin paint on him and make him into like a minotaur. Like a, a, oh, we could do a minotaur. Let's say like a Goliath or a half yeah. giant or something. Well, he's already bald, but, so you could do a Goliath for sure. There you go. You just paint him gray. Yeah. Um but Speaking of dragons, like my wife loved the red dragon, though. Red dragon. He was like, he was super fat and chubby. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. And I thought that was funny, too. That was so unique. Yeah. That they yeah. had the freaking, they fought those assassins that were like, were, you know, undead and they kind of yeah. came back to life. And then they're all getting chased by this ridiculously overweight, Chunk. <laughs> chunky red dragon. Yeah. She I was heard. like, I love him. Yeah. He, that was, was... he was pretty cool and pretty funny. Yeah, that it was a pretty unique. I thought they did a pretty good job. They had some like D and D lore from like the Faerun, you know, from in there. I didn't. I think it would be nice to see him as like a. a I feel like he was more of a rogue that just played a loot than a, a bard because he didn't use any magic. Which but so bards... my wife had. My wife had uh, like when it was said and done, she's like, any gripes that I have are very like personal nitpicky things mm -hmm. that are like D and D rule lawyer type of stuff. And that was one of them is that like, yeah, like they're saying he's a bard and all this stuff, but he's saying like two songs and like he didn't use any magic. Yeah. And bards typically have a good bit of magic that they have access to. He's like a mastermind rogue, if if we're being honest. And be, like, yeah. I've, like I've said before, when we did the Dungeons and Dragons pod, podcast is just because somebody plays an instrument doesn't make them a bard, you know, I mean, just because they're a bard True. doesn't mean they have to play an instrument. And so for me, it's just like, 
what better way to cover as a rogue than to, you know, play Ooh. play a loot, you know, play Putting a... ideas in my head. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Every know. time we talk about these, I'm like, there's a character idea. Oh, yes. There's, a there's another one. <laughs> that's what's so great about D&D is there's that. Yeah. Um, but on that same aspect, she, you know, also playing a druid in our game that we play, she had some thoughts about how many times the druid could wild, wild shape. shape. Yeah. And she was like, you can do it twice a day. And I've already seen like six in this one mm-hmm. little, you know, scene here. And I was like, I mean, yeah, you you could also throw in, you know, your polymorphs. You could do, a, you know, an That's amount true. of those as well. That is so true. You have like your two wild shapes plus however many polymorphs you could have depending on what level you are. So you could get a handful, but it, it, it like my way of reasoning, I was like, maybe she has a ring of, of wild shape that allows unlimited wild shapes per day or Sounds something. like a dungeon master that just was allowing rule of cool, to be exactly. honest. Yeah, the home rule, like, you can change the animals if you're going to change an animal. Well, because technically, Albear is not even an animal. It's it's considered a monstrosity, so you can't even honestly... Um, I'm saying, would, does polymorph allow for things like that? Or, like, it, would polymorph or wild shape have differentiations on what... Polymorph, you can turn into, like, anything as long as it's the it's CR level. It's, it's uh, oh, CR yeah. level is equal to your level. Mm. So... You could, you could. On that him. note, go ahead. I'm going to look up what level an owl bear is. What its CR level is? Probably like here. a two, three. Bestiary owl bear. Let's see. Um, it has a challenge rating of three. Okay. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, large monstrosity. Strength of 20. Okay. I guess I would have thought it's... Well, I mean, I guess it is just an owl and a bear. But yeah. uh, that was... Speaking of the owl bear, though, that that, that was one of the uh, scenes that my wife particularly, like, was laughing out loud. Was at the end when they were fighting the Red Wizard. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it distracted you long enough for, you know, so-and-so to do this. And then the owlbear jumps in and does the Hulk-Loki thing and just like, just pounds them over and over again into the ground. Yeah. And then like stops. And then they kind of like move and breathe and they just pick them up again and pound them even more mm-hmm. and then throw them against the building. She was like dying laughing. And it, it I, I was laughing too. I mean, because that was, it was, that was a very satisfying scene. Very funny. I thought. I really enjoyed that. And I yeah. thought that was pretty clever with how the how they uh countered the time stop stuff as well that she did. That the the sorcerer he basically was able to counterspell it because yes. he got strong enough. Yes. And they just acted frozen. Yep. Long enough for old dude's daughter who was invisible to slap the bracelet on her to cut her magic ability. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of pretending. Well, and I'll tell you one thing I really liked that I'm going to probably add into my campaigns was is how they, um, uh, with their mat became attuned to the magic items. I liked that oh, right? a lot. I think that's going to I, be. I, I think, never even heard or thought about that as an aspect. I think that'll be a very interesting thing to add into it is like a, for every item, a unique type of like attunement process, you know? Right. It could be just some type of 
challenge or puzzle or something something mm-hmm. to overcome to be able to uh yeah tune to certain magical items and things or just be I, I th- accepted by it or something to right. that effect yeah exactly you have to you have to prove to the item that you are worthy of of it yeah in a sense yeah i thought that, that was a really cool concept and i i i've actually meant to mention that to you when i was watching it but i forgot but i was thinking i was like that would be a cool thing to throw in the to have in the games for when we attune to stuff yeah, that's I I for sure enjoyed that, and I think I would add that in there for future. Yeah, well, we might add that to our potential future uh, project Ooh. that's in the works. Oh, for, uh, well, yeah, hundred percent. I'm going to add that into yeah. that project. Yeah, but ad hoc, I'll probably add it into the game that we our Saturday game that we normally play. Um, right. Yeah, it'll be that'll be killer. I think. Right. I liked the uh, displacer beast. Mm-hmm. that they had in the maze like that thing looks freaking scary that scary. is like projecting itself yeah <laughs> like yeah. that was terrifying as a creature and i i kind of didn't like that the uh gelatinous cube that they had wasn't like a creature like it was just a stationary part of the the field oh gotcha you know that it wasn't a moving living thing it was just like there it moves really slow. Maybe it was just like a napping. Maybe maybe it was asleep. Yeah. But I thought that was an again an ingenious D and D solution to that yeah. problem that just turned into a snake and to slither through the hole before it like shrunk back down in on itself. Mm-hmm. Like that's dang smart. Yep. Yeah. It reminded me of you guys jumping into gelatinous cubes. I've done that a few times. You have with done my that in character. Your character. Yeah, all in all, I think that movie is pretty good, especially, you know, it's, it's, don't expect it to be another Tolkien movie. No. You know, don't expect it to be like a, this world breaking thing, but it is a fun, it's just a fun movie. And if you like fantasy, I think it's a must watch. Yeah. Because yeah, the magic is good. A compl- yeah, it's a completely different thing than like Lord of the Rings or The Witcher or any of that kind of stuff that also have magic in them. Like it, it is, it is silly and, it's meant to be that way because D and D can be very silly sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, th- I th- think it really did a D and D movie genuinely well. Yes. So, I, th- I think it did a great job. What's the, what's the main Chris, Chris Pine. I Chris do, Pine. I do want to see more movies with him that he's not like, I feel, I feel like that's one trope I'm kind of getting tired of with Chris Pine is like, he's always a character that's like, he played the character he played in this one kind of reminded me of his captain Kirk from the star Trek movies. Very much. So I think I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing where he's silly and then he makes mistakes and then he has to like, he has to kind of reflect on his past and then he overcomes the obstacle and then does like a whole like, gotcha, you know, clever line. It was just, that was a little bit too tropey for me for him specifically. Uh, I, you know, but I look forward to hopefully a future one. Agreed. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think, like, I think the other actors all did a, a pretty good job for their their roles Yeah, in there as well. Like, I, I didn't, you know, know any of the other ones or of the other actors. Like, I didn't recognize anybody else the uh, out the gate. Barbarian, the, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, her. You're, you're right. You're, I completely forgot that that was her. Yeah, no. Other than her, I guess I'd, I'd say. And, and that's another one, too, where... I kind of feel like she plays the same character mm-hmm. in yeah. all her movies, but well. her her love interests crack was I thought was funny. 
that she was that was she was married cool. to like a gnomish man and had been divorced. <laughs> you know, she's this big hulking person, and then the gnome came in. He was like married to another big another jack chick. yeah big barbarian woman. <laughs> yeah, that was that well. Was, you obviously have a type. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely typecast for that kind of stuff. You know, it would yeah. be interesting to see her outside of that range. But I, overall, I mean, she plays, it's, she does a great job in it. I like the fighting. I like the magic. I like the settings. And it was just, uh, uh, you know, the, the beginning of it, the escape. And then they played it all the way to the end when he tries to escape himself. And it was just. Uh, <laughs> that was a good callback. Yeah. For him to try the same freaking move on the air croaker and then hit a brick wall. Yeah, exactly. They, they had boarded it up. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm a fan. I think everybody, I think all our geeks should try to check it out because it's definitely worth it. And, you know, yeah, if you're hesitant to watch it because, you know, it might not live up to it, that it's fine. Take it, take it for what it is. Just enjoy the, the fun movie that it is and have a good time with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, not sp- not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Yes. Uh, so speaking of uh, of games and stuff, have you played any interesting games lately? I've seen that uh, Diablo Four has just come out. I, I, I did see that that came out, and I've uh, like I was kind of interested in it because I've never played a Diablo game, mm-hmm. but I I do know that they're actually really good for like co op play. Interesting. And, you know, very similar to D&D, they have a lot of D&D aspects well, to it. It's very based on it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's it's one of the closest things to a D&D video game that there is, from what I understand. Again, outside never of, played one. Outside of Baldur's Gate, yeah. Right. Which I've never played that either, but I've seen some things on it. Yeah, we need to we we need to play Baldur's Gate together. When it comes out officially, we need to have that gameplay up for sure. Check think, that out. Yeah, because the fact that it, it is a Dungeons and Dragons game, you can get it in early access now. But the 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 thing that doesn't interest me about Diablo is I just don't like the view. I don't like the overhead click, it, it, and then it, clicking it, a lot. It, it's say that as as you like play tons of real time strategies that are from that same kind of like angle. But that's just one person, though. It feels like a it feels like a web browser game if it's just one person. You know, like when I'm if you're only I'm, controlling one one thing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I kind of understand that, and I, and I think that may have been one of the main things that's kept me from checking it out too. Is from what I've seen, it like it looks like what the, what I've seen of like World of Warcraft or you know back mm-hmm. in the day or some of those. Yeah, just like kind of God perspective games that you know i mean granted that a lot of real-time strategy games have from that you know upward downward or that downward angle that you're looking down on the field but it is different controlling like armies of hundreds and thousands of people yeah. versus just your one character out and, on like a little board and even then like i still zoom in a lot on my troops like up close and personal i've got like a really nice especially mm-hmm. playing the total war games which speaking of that also we've got the total war i was gonna mention that out. Yeah, what, any, what are your opinions on Total War Pharaoh? I'm interested. I would like to see how big the map is going to be in general. I know it's going to yeah. cover, like, you're going to essentially have two options where I think there's going to be multiple playable factions, and obviously right. the modding tools, hopefully, upload if people can make their own stuff out of it. But what interests me is the idea of there's going to be a Hittite kind of legacy to follow or, like, a Egyptian legacy to follow. And 
Um, I mean, I like the Bronze Age. I think the Bronze Age is super neat. I like seeing like I I play as the Egyptians fairly regularly when I play Total yeah, so War. You've you played that a few times when we played Rome too. Yeah, played uh, these Egyptians. I like I like the Egyptian troops. I you know this is told that would be Ptolemaic Egypt, but like the the Bronze Age Egypt. There's a lot to do. I think the map is important. How big the map is going to be, how far south it stretches, how much of like the the Middle East it covers. I think right. you know you get. Canaan. I did hear in one of the things that at least as far as scope or you know of the campaign or or some part of it, they said it was like at least as it was like on par with like Rome too. I find that surprising, but I'm interested. Yeah, because right. I loved that Rome too was so big. medieval total war was big as well medieval total war two and total war one were, were also covered that kind of north african arabian and then also into the middle east and then up into the um kind of steppe area then mm-hmm. westward into europe eastern europe and then into western europe and i always liked that and i liked how many areas you had to conquer in rome too because there was smaller provinces and you had more cities and towns i think than those ones but yeah i would like to to see that i'm I'm wondering if it's if it might be you know because it is kind of an egypt thing that it's it's like if you you know take the map and kind of zoom down on more of that region but then just made it a lot more dense like like populated it with a lot more stuff and i'm I'm, I'm suspecting that might be what it is that's why i think they're gonna do is yeah that it doesn't it doesn't cover tribes Right, it doesn't cover as much actual land mass as like Rome two or something, but the the land that it does have, it's there's more there. There's more stuff inside of it. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see more of it. I'm interested to see more of the gameplay. I would like to, see, you know, um, they've obviously been Total War. You know, Creative Assembly has been doing a lot of Warhammer specific stuff which is i've not played any of it i've heard some people say it's a lot of fun some people say it's a little over the top i don't know mm. um I, i'd probably play it eventually it's it's not something i would count out but you know i'm a rome 2 fanboy and i love playing it so i, I usually play the modded versions of it either the medieval mod yeah. or the annual or the one of the other mods that that really turns up the antiquity battles to 10 right right um yeah, I think I th- I'm excited for it for sure because it's gonna be their first one, their first uh, historical it's, it's, one in a minute. It, it, it's a mainline game. They said like it's it's a mainline thing in line yes. with all the other ones. And stuff, yes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think people are gonna be looking at it, and I I think you know everybody really wants a new imperial like a Rome, um, like an empire one, so Napoleonic era. Uh, or they really want a um, medieval three, so hopefully Chris Creative Assembly will, will drop one of those at some point in the future. That would be cool. Yeah, I, I would like to see a, yeah again a, you know more um, um, modernized as in you know modern uh, gameplay development and not modern time. Mm-hmm. Just like a more modern you know version of you know what we played in Rome. Rome yeah. two and stuff having and th- a Rome three, and I think the modding community has done a really good job of that, you know. So I think that's that's one thing as well, and that that'll be good with Egypt, you know, if they can get a good modding community with that, you know. So maybe it does expand into Europe a little bit. They expand the map or they do whatever. Um, we just don't know a ton about Bronze Age Europe and the battles that took place there. True. 
but it'll be cool. You know, I, I, the, the, those times when the sea peoples came in and there was a lot of mystery, it'll be, it'll be wild. Maybe we'll learn how the pyramids were made. Maybe the creative <laughs> assembly will show us that. You're like halfway through the campaign and then aliens show up. That'd and you got to fight off, like it, it, it fuses with Warhammer. Yeah, that'd be funny. That'd be some Civilization 2 stuff or Civilization stuff right there. Right, because you, I never played that. You said that, like, eventually, then that like gets to futuristic stuff, kind of. Yeah, things. but if you don't research or your research sucks, like you could have people, you know, or if you cheated, like you could be like in a totally different time era while people are still running around with like clubmen, you know. But, so you could hit them with a nuclear missile while they're still in the Iron Age, right? If you oh progressed fast enough, which was always fun. Um, wow. Have you been playing more Zelda? I played a little bit of uh, more uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm still really enjoying it. It still seems really big, <laughs> and it seems like there's a lot to try and accomplish, so it's a little overwhelming, but uh, I actually spent... Uh, I didn't get to play any of this weekend, but I did spend some time... Um, I've spent some time watching my wife play Ark. Okay. She's been playing uh, Ark Survival Evolved, the, you know survive on an island with dinosaurs game you know, mm-hmm. craft and build houses which it, it it's one of those kinds of things that it's it's always kind of it's always fun to dive back into yeah. and spend a little time in from time to time because those maps are so huge mm-hmm. and there's so many different creatures to try and tame and all that that like you can you just spawn somewhere different and have a completely different experience even on the same map for the most yeah, part I, I saw you guys were playing and I, I i almost wanted to join in one day but um I'm sure she likes the taming the animals. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she enjoys doing that too, and she likes like building. She likes like crafting the little uh, the huts and the castles and stuff. That's always fun. Oh yeah, free um, building stuff like that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and we we tried. We hadn't actually tried it on since I got the Xbox Series X, but I tried the split screen for the first time mm-hmm. since getting that because we had tried it back on the old Xbox One, and you know the game already didn't run great on it. Yeah. It was like kind of functional, but it would lag a bunch. And then when you try and do split screen and it's trying to render that stuff twice, it just would not, it was mm. not playable. But on this, it's actually very playable. Like it runs smoothly, Good. even with two people, which is amazing. But the only issue there is because it's split screen, the UI isn't scaled great. And so you start to get a headache just trying to read your inventory mm. and your different like uh, stats and stuff that you level up. So we were both kind of, we, it was hard for us to really get into it and really accomplish anything. We ended up just kind of wandering around a bunch just because trying to do anything and reading anything in inventory, we were both kind of getting headaches Yeah, from it. So we didn't really even end up accomplishing anything in the couple hours we played. But, uh, I mean, I will say though, like even playing it a little bit though, that it kind of sparked that itch again. I'm like, I kind of want to like dive back into that to do a legit like playtime in it again. Yeah, that can be fun. I think that I think that could be interesting. Um, but in in doing that, once we started playing, you know, there was this new kind of dinosaur that we came across. I guess you'd call it a dinosaur. It was basically like a a you mix between a platypus and a flying squirrel. Hmm. It's called a maywing. Oh, weird. And yeah, it's actually like really awesome as far as functionality and stuff. We were looking up how to tame it and all these things and we went down this rabbit hole of YouTube videos of like, I feel like any game you play, like there's always that subset of the community that you're like, 
oh, they're playing a different game than what I'm playing. Like they're the people who are really into it and have put like, you know, hundreds of hours into something and know all the nitty gritty stuff. And that's one of those games that like we were very, it became very apparent like, oh, anything we've played in there, we were definitely still in the stone age. Whereas they're like, similar to civilization they're way mm-hmm. in the future as far as what yes. they're doing they, they have like jetpacks and spaceships and lasers and gatling guns and stuff and you're like i've never made it to that but they and they've got like tons of dinosaurs tamed but they were going through and yeah talking about all these other dinosaurs and things and we we're we we're both looking at each other like where is this thing at like we've never even heard of this thing and he's got dinosaurs that can cloak themselves and turn invisible oh geez and he had this like giant owl that had thermal vision and then there's like bats that have night vision and stuff. I'm like, I had no idea any of this. There's, there's so much in that game that I have, you have no idea even exists because you've just never made it that far yet. So I may dive back into some, some mark here at some point, just cause that's, it's a, it's a fun game to run around in. It is for sure. I mean, I like those, those get I me. Mean, I've always wanted to play rust too, but I mean, mm. obviously arc has dinosaurs, which is cool. My kid right, loves dinosaurs. Why not? You know? Exactly. That's pretty cool. So have you read anything recently? Read anything? Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, I've, I've never really been, it, it's always been, I've, I have so many books that I've had interested in want to read, but I've just, I've never been much of a book person. Cause gotcha. it's just, it, it's hard for books to, and, and maybe I've like spoiled myself with all the video games I've played, but you know, and having that visual stimulus and aspect to it that I, you know, a book not having that, it's it's tough for a book to keep my attention into something. Well, I listened to The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson on Spotify. I bought the book on there and listened to it. We, I will say, I mean, my wife went to Barnes & Noble's the other day and saw one of his books, and she's like, that's the book that... John was telling me about. I told her about it because it was so good. First of all, talk about. So I'm glad I bought it to listen to because it was 48 hours long. Oh my God. Yeah, like 80, 70 something chapters. And it was so good the entire time. You listened to the whole thing? I mean, oh yeah, I've already, I've already consumed all of it. All my drive time, all my, and that's another thing. I was, when I'm playing Xbox, I was just getting on there. I was playing like War Thunder or Elite Dangerous or something Mm -hmm. simple. And I was just playing it through Spotify, through my headset on my game time, on my drive time at work, but all of that. Uh, So, and then at night, I would play it while I was working. Like I would just start writing and taking, you know, trying to work on our Dungeons and Dragons podcast and, um, some of the stuff that's going into it and I would be listening to it during that as well and phenomenal wow. loved it it was so good and it, it like I had a spoiler which I'm glad I did because it kept me like when is it going to come when is this going to happen because oh. I want this character to have this good thing happen to them because it doesn't happen to them and um, you know it takes a while and Brandon apparently, you know, Sanderson turns it up at the end. And so it was not like it was the, the climax came very late in the book. Mm. And it just kept it was 
a phenomenal listen, to be honest. They had two different there was a there was a male reader and a female reader, and there were several point of view characters in it. Very interesting mm-hmm. magic system. Um it's intentionally confusing a little bit near the beginning. And it answers a lot of questions at the very end. And you're like, oh, that's why they keep saying all this stuff. Like, that makes sense. Like, you know, you're guessing why they're talking about this. And like, oh, that's why. Um, but interesting world, interesting characters, very well written. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I had to, I've had to intentionally, like, take a break and not go on to the next book because mm. it was almost getting on my nerves if something <laughs> was interrupting it. Oh yeah. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to stop listening to it. Like one day I was not feeling so yep. good. And I told my wife just to like, you can watch whatever you want. We're, you watch your own show. I'm just going to listen to my book. <laughs> I finished out like the last three hours on yep. the couch one night. Cause I was just so obsessed with it. I was so happy that it got to this point, but then it leaves you. It's not like a, it leaves you intentionally like, Oh, there's going to be more books. Like there's no, right, right. like it ends it. And there's like, oh, okay, so I got to wait to the next one. I looked at the next book, and it's like also 48 hours and 80-something chapters. Yeah, I mean, I, looking at the books in Barnes Noble, she picked them up, and they're thick. Yeah, I bet. Like, they are big. I and bet. I was like, oh, my gosh. I think it's over, like, well over 1,000 pages. Probably. Like they yeah. were very big books. Yeah. And apparently he's planning, so apparently, you know, I I feel bad that I'm just now getting on the, the Brandon Sanderson train, but the the his world or his universe that his stuff is in is called the Cosmere. So like all of his books take place inside the same universe, even, but the, the the way of Kings is part of the stormlight archive is the title of that series. And, uh, he, the Cosmere, apparently by the time he finishes all of it, he's 40 something. Now he'll be 70 something. He said is when he thinks it'll be done. So he's on, he's written four books of the stormlight archive and he's planning 10. So. Jeez. But they're good. It's so good. And I I can't wait to listen to the second one. I'm wow. You know, driving out to the podcast studio. So, right. I guess on a similar, on a similar vein, like it's, it's not a book. But something that I have been listening to a lot is I'm, I'm still uh, that I've been enjoying similar in a similar type of vein is I'm still just listening to the current campaign of Critical Role. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, begin back to the D and D stuff that I mean, you know, as we talked about, we both you know you haven't finished it, but we like we love campaign two. Yes, and and I'm I'm very fully invested. I think we're on like episode sixty something at this point of campaign, campaign three. three. Wow. Yeah, so there are good ways into it and some. They they finally kind of hit like in any kind of campaign thing like that like at least you've know, got different arcs but oftentimes there's like kind of a big moment mm-hmm. like there's a big thing a big serious thing that happens that like changes a lot of stuff that's going on and you're like oh like it's been things have been building to this for like ten fifteen episodes and now that big thing happened and yeah things are a mess and they got to figure out how to fix it kind of stuff. Like we just recently had that moment and it's, and so I'm like really glued in. I'm like waiting for the next episodes to come out to like, and I'm like really, you know, listening intently and loving, loving the things that they're doing in it. Well, I guess you're looking forward to next Thursday then. Yeah, definitely next Thursday. They, uh, I, I, but at the same time, I'm like, Every time I listen to that, though, that I'm like, 
is this Saturday when we play our game? Oh yeah. Which <laughs> right. Yeah. This coming up Saturday, which I, I can't, right. we didn't get to play, uh, our, our, like that last Saturday. Cause some of the players weren't available, which is fine. Happens. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited. So, Hey, you know, check out your, your local UF, your, your, our UFO news, uh, watch Dungeons and Dragons, listen to critical role, listen to Brandon Sanderson and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at geek ETC podcast. You can watch our episodes or you can, well, you can watch a background while you listen to our episodes on YouTube, yeah. geek ETC podcast. Yeah. Search it on there. You can find all the podcasts uploaded to YouTube as well, just as a, you know, it's not a video podcast, but it's the it's the audio you can still listen to. You don't want to see uh, my I'll... face. <laughs> it's true. I'm looking at it right now. It's well, no. Also, the you know, if you do want to listen to it, it comes out every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning. You can check out a podcast on all the major uh, podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, all the all the good ones, and all the bad ones too. Actually, I don't know if there are bad ones, but. You can listen wherever you want to, which we're, is nice. We're not like any hate speech websites, so that would be the bad ones. <laughs> True. Yeah, no. But yeah, not that I'm aware of, at least. Unless someone's like not. sideloading our content somewhere else, making yeah, money off of which it. Which I hope not. But hey, you know, like I always say, geeks fight better together. And hopefully we'll have our, our Discord up soon where you guys, we can get a little bit more time with one another. And just like I read... Uh, uh, one of our guys messages say feel free to reach out to us if you have questions comments something you want to talk about like we're just want to say hi we're guys so just talk to us we're 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 up for it yeah we'll have a chat with you and ultimately besides that whatever you do remember to keep geeking out